As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful, Herbal Face Food, for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome, my girl. Hi there. Thanks for having me over. It's such a pleasure. The, uh, the great gift that I have today is Claudia Chan in my apartment. 
Claudia is the author of This Is How We Rise. She's the founder of the She Global Movement. She is one of my most impressive friends, I have to say. I would love for you to give us a little bit of a background on you and how this all began. Sure. So, you know, I really never had intended on this career in, this women, in the women's space, but I went to a group in New York City. I went to an all-girls high school and then followed by Smith College, all-women's college, and also just had a very powerful, independent, entrepreneurial mom. Mm. So I'm Chinese and, uh, of course, typical immigrant story. They came here with very little and had Chinese restaurants and just saw her really do it all, right? Wow. Like cook and clean and 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 just drive the family and um, and business and were able to put us through private schools. And I just knew from a very young age that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and just dreamt of it. And uh, around the late 90s, I, you know, started my own company pretty quickly out of college, but um, a friend of mine and I, we we saw this need for girls night out shopping parties. Um, oh, that's right. right. Do you remember the Shecky's girls night yes. out parties? I know. It's so, I did That those. was the era of, yeah, right. Because it was the, the 2000s era, yes. right? And that was the era of fluff and sex in the city and daily yes. candy and where the value, every media, every magazine, you know, placed value on women on the shoes you were wearing and the cocktail yeah. you were ordering and the boy you were dating, right? It was very sex in the city. And it's so interesting that we were just literally consumed in that world that was so image driven, right? So materialistic and vapid. <laughs> and But it's it's really that that was the 2000s era. And so I never even really wrapped my mind around that yeah. moment. I was so busy working. Right, right. And wow. you know, if you were, if you were any, if you were a female, picking up a magazine or reading an article or watching the television show, it's, you are basically advertised, you need to be beautiful and skinny and have nice things and be in a relationship. That was really, it's just sort of the power of media, right? And the power of community and the content we surround ourselves with. And a hetero relationship, by the way. Yes, exactly. And, and really you become what you consume, right? Oh my God. And so I was brainwashed in all of that. And then I read Half the Sky in 2010 and I just realized, started learning about the state of women and girls. Half the Sky, Nicholas Kristoff. Yeah, and Cheryl Wudan. I mean, amazing. And, but it was just so shocking and, and just started studying state of women and girls in the third world, developing countries, and then, of course, learning about the four atrocities of maternal mortality, sex trafficking, gender-based violence, all of it, and then started studying, you know, women in the U.S. and, you know, eating disorders were so high to um, self-esteem, like, I think it was like 2% of women called themselves, could call themselves beautiful, and, of course, the pay gap and the, the corporate, the workplace gaps for women. So just, you know, the aha moment of how is it that as a female, you know, you know, all women's schools running a women's marketing platform that I'm not thinking about these issues and none of my girlfriends are talking about it. So of course we're not making progress because you need women to drive change, to change those issues. So that was the first iteration of She Global was the first She Summit conference the she stood for she helps empower and to really expose women to these topics and get them to realize two things. One is to realize their highest potential, that they can be leaders and change agents. Yes. And actually we can, and, and what matters to you and to get drive change behind, for what matters to you. Yes. Um, and then the second was to lift other women and to, and to drive change and to start movements. So it's mm-hmm. like twofold. It's like you need to realize your highest potential and rise, but then you need to lift and drive change for that bigger that bigger context, right? Mm. So that was really always the first that, that sort of the first part of um, She Global, and the idea was if we can, women are so powerful, and if you look at the potential of yeah. the unlimited power that we have, but yet most are not tapping into a fraction of it. At least that was back then. It was true back then. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so, and now, of course. Which is why you shone so brightly to me back then. Thank you. Truly. Thank you. It was definitely a new thing, right? I mean, talk about transitions and Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, innovation means seeing the invisible, right? When you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. And, but it's the most scary and courageous path because you're not following, 
you're, you're, you're filling a, a, a hole or a void, but you're not following where everybody else is going. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, leaving that my, my company and starting something new and all of my friends were, what are you doing? Mm. Women's empowerment, you're interviewing women, you're women's conference, like people just didn't really get it, you know? And and I feel like I'm always in that position where I always feel like I'm a little bit of ahead of the movements. And I'm always, <laughs> I'm always creating things that, you know, that, um, people don't really understand fully yet. Right, and right. then it becomes like the big thing. Right. Be happy for that. That's where you, that's where all of us should be. Yeah. And I think it's living in the discomfort, right? Living yeah. in that, but it's really hard. It's hard to stay immovable and stay in the discomfort. Um, but it's also the most, it's where you make the most change. Yeah. The, the first part of your book when I was reading it and you started talking about how to make social change, there needs to be three steps prior to that. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, but you know, social change, just get out there and start emailing and start talking and start boosting and mm-hmm. sharing. The way that you put it, that spiritual growth has to precede personal growth. Personal growth has to precede leadership development and leadership development is what leads to social change. You can't just go out there without first growing yourself spiritually. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So it's interesting because, yeah, because to be, to, to lead change and to really take that to its potential. And of course, you know, you can, there's so many levels and layers of affecting change, but, you know, to me, we're not going to fully be able to achieve it to our capacity if we haven't fully evolved as leaders and developed as leaders. And I think leadership development, you know, when I think leadership development, I think clarifying, you know, I mean, I have 13 pillars in the book that talk about it, but like being really clear on your purpose and really clear about the problem that you want to solve or what you want to create, Mm -hmm. the good you want to create. But then it's the, you know, visioning, right? Like being a visionary as a part of leadership, humility, like what are the skills, um, you know, community building and knowing how to be and work and collaborate with people um, Mm. to lead teams and to, you know, all these different um, traits and values. When I think about leadership development, we really need to fully develop in those areas in order to really maximize the impact that we can make. But then are you ready for that leadership development? Are you ready to do that when you haven't really sorted out your personal issues, right? Personal growth. Personal growth. And so, and it's interesting too, because there's never an end point, right? And, And even like now, just the different phases and seasons of life as we all grow and rise into our next level and stages of potential, you know, we're going to bump into new challenges and new things that are going to trigger stuff from childhood or trigger, you know, reoccurring challenges or, or insecurities or have bad habits. And you're like, where is this coming from? Like, I thought I worked this out already in my therapy or 10, you know, years, what, ago. 10 years ago and like new stuff pops up. And so we need to then be addressing and putting attention there. Um, I, I've had to do a lot of personal growth around my relationship with money and yeah. Um, and just growing up in, you know, my family and just the confusion around, you know, value of money. And so, which we can talk about later. We will. Um, so, you know, so I think that, but then you're not, how do you really, it's so easy to just give it all up. Yeah. It's so easy to just give it all up and say, you know what, this is just, I'm going to just choose, choose mediocrity over extraordinary and just, you know, and just take it easy. Right. And toast. But then, so that's why you need spiritual growth because you've got to be rooted in something that's so bigger than you and believe in something that um, is just a higher power to me. And yep. so, and the, the last thing I'll just say is I, I am yeah. a Christian. Yeah. And um, I, I, I've been a Christian since pretty much I met my husband 10 years ago and he started taking me to a Baptist church on the Upper East Side of New York. But it really cha- transformed me. And, um, but I... God is such a big, and again, I say in the book too, that, you know, for you could be nature, it could be family, whatever your source is, but I just feel that we need to be rooted in something so much bigger than us because it takes so much to move our destiny forward because our destiny is so big, so big. When, um, when you talk about it in the book, actually your commitment and belief in God and the way that it stands as a masculine figure for you Mm -hmm. instead of a feminine, I really appreciated that. Mm I like to to hear how everyone defines things. And for me, I feel the same. And when you 
when you take it into, okay, this is what I think, and you can think this, this, or that, I think people really appreciate that. Mm. Then we can move on from there. We have yes. mutual understanding. Boom. Yes. You talk about gender equality, and I love how you started, when you moved on in the book, you started with the need for women and men to collaborate together and how that is not really yet happening. It feels like it's just starting to happen now, maybe. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to what prompted you to write about this? Because you write about it so articulately and uh, it seems so important. You even redefined what SHE mm -hmm. meant at a certain mm -hmm. point in yeah. the book. So it's interesting because if you think about you know, I mean, really at the core, this is how we rise and just my overall She Global platform, um, even though it started off with focusing on women, um, a few years ago, I changed it to She and He Empower. Mm. And now today, the She actually stands for She, He and the equity of all people, because it's really, it's everyone, um, race, color, all, all for, you know, all aspects of diversity and inclusion. Very nice. But um, it's humanity, right? Humanity yeah. is made up of differences and different backgrounds. And so really uh, the core that I, I, that I really, my mission is to really inspire leaders and people to, people to be change agents and to drive change or, or try to take um, action to create a more equal world. So if you think about the traditional gender equality or women's movement, it was always women in many ways out there fighting for their rights and women talking to women. And for, for so long, that's been the movement, but you can't, if, if the other half of the population's not in the room, we're only going to get so far. And that's been one of the challenges. Right. And so there's been a lot of the, the movements evolved a lot. I think that, um, so I really, the beginning of the book is A, just wanting you to like realize that we all share humanity. We all share the world that we live in. And the way that this humanity can be better is people need to be treated equally. So first part is like, I just want to convince you that you can be a leader and you can be a change agent. Mm. And then it's like, okay, well, what do you want to lead change in? And I, and I talk about gender equality and the priority to lift women because women are just, you know, at the, they experience more injustices and inequalities. But then I also talk about, uh, you know, the, the new men's movement, right? Because as women are also rising boys, and what is masculinity, you know, the, the identity of boys and what it means to be a man is also in, in a transition. And so it's really to just to mobilize all people to, to see problems from where they are and to raise their hand to driving change for something. Yeah. Compassion, collaboration, and communication, you said, are our gifts, the feminine's gifts. Mm -hmm. If you had to uh, define or name some of the masculine gifts, how would you? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's interesting too, because even when you think about, I do a lot of stuff with corporate America and, and big companies. And if you think about the traditional institutions that were ever created, the government businesses, it's, it was all very built on masculine traits, yep. um, of just being assertive and, uh, and aggressive and, um, you know, church and state don't show vulnerability, mm -hmm. you know, like, like not multifaceted, like leave, mm -hmm. not whole self to work, you know? And so it is a lot of it is, um, not whole self to work. Yeah, exactly. You're not really bringing, you know, the masculine way isn't to bring your whole self to work, but again, that's like the traditional, um, right. when I think traditional masculine traits. And so, and I think social media, and of course, I feel like the 21st century is really the first feminine traits driven, driven generation where you have to be transparent today. Transparency wins, vulnerability yeah. wins. And so it's really feminine traits now that are starting to permeate um, structures out there in society. Yeah. But it's a really interesting transitional time that we are in culturally. And the men actually... I don't want this to sound aggressive at all, but the men really do need to see the value in collaboration, yeah. communication, compassion. Yeah. It's the most important thing. And I think a lot of it, the problem though with the men's movement, and you and I are both raising boys. Yeah, right. Is that there's so many good men out there, yet, you know, and they see and they and they are close to their wives or sisters or girlfriends mm. and they hear and they want to support, but they don't know how. And in a way, you can't just, hey, I want to like be a part of this women's group, you know, or I want to, can I join that? Like they're also like we, women need to also invite them in. Yeah. And we also, the way that 
Um, I call it also, there's a macro movement, right? So if you think about, gosh, like, you know, Christine Turlington and her initiative around, you know, maternal health, right? Every, every mother counts. Every, right. Where you talk about like all the different topical movements, right? Like empowering women in financial literacy, single moms. Women for women. women. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you know, or like close the gender gap in STEM and girls, you know, I mean, there's so many different issues out there, right? But women and people have started nonprofits, started campaigns, started initiatives, started businesses, started. And so women are starting things to convene other people around those specific conversations. Right. Right. So what we need though, is we need men to be like, hey, let's create a men's group to talk about women's issues. Hey, let's talk about, let's create a men's group to talk about women's vulnerability. Let's create a men's group to support, you know, women that are going through X, Y, Z. Or let's, you know, we actually need like, and like, remember, for decades now, women's groups and organizations have been mobilizing, right? right. And have been being born. And we need that in the men's space now. And because there's men need forums to talk and share. Um, I know that the millennial men, you know, just naturally in the Gen Z men generally are more transparent. Yes. And there's it's research. starting to happen. Right. It, but the older generation, you know, we, we need it all. So yeah. it's starting to happen. My uh, boyfriend and many of his friends are also involved in. Uh, there are a couple of great men's groups out there. There's yeah. one every man. That's great. Yeah, e I don't know e that one. E V R Y M A N. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, and I, we need to and we need to drive more awareness to those things too, yeah. so that other men are like, wait, I want to be a part of that. What's that all about? <laughs> every know? man is really cool because they also at times when they've uh, they worked at Wellspring, it was um, run by Sasha and his collaborator Dan. So pardon me that I don't remember their names, but I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, they were running a group at Wellspring that included mm. women. That's great. They did the group? They did the exercise that they do with men, but with women as well. And the women were blown away. Yeah. Um, more gender equal countries are what we're looking for. Um, more gender equal companies are what we're looking for. Yeah. And according to the research, you had quoted, you said that gender diverse companies are actually rising in profits. Yeah. So I, basically, it's just all about gender equality is just good for everyone. It's good for countries. It's good for companies. It's good for profits. It's good for the family. Yeah. Healthiest sharing household roles. Yeah. And I, um, I mean, there's a lot of research that shows just, you know, just how um, the more men and women, again, are synergizing at home, the healthier the man is, right? It's right. like the less stress they have. And um, longer life expectancy. Longer, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, there's tons and tons of research out there around um, how when you have more diverse, more gender diverse and just overly diverse workplaces that mm. those companies perform better. Right. Your 13 pillars, that's really where I want to go. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. I'm going to read them out and then I think we should pull out a few, tease out a couple that you okay. feel strongly about talking about. Purpose, vision, faith resilience, energy, productivity, a loaded one, humility, gratitude, grace, community, self-love, courage, and mindfulness. Where should we go first? I'm going to do a little reading. Yeah, I think <clears throat> that, um, I guess purpose is a good one to talk about mm -hmm. and, and then maybe go to just resilience and because I just... Those challenges, man, <laughs> just so serious, so serious. So, and you know, ongoing, um, so purpose to me, I think that it's just the fundamental place to start. And cause I think the word is also really a loaded word because it it's like, oh, like, don't tell me to figure out my purpose. You know, everything's, it's like, yeah, been such a big word because it's every, people have lots of different purposes. And so I talk about holistic purpose in the book, yeah, which is, you know, I think that, and I, and I think that it's, it's really identifying holistic purpose. What is your per purpose in your personal realm, mm -hmm. which is to me, my family, my health, mm -hmm. things are much more personal, right? Mm -hmm. um, my passion, what makes me happy, finances, those things to what is my purpose in the social realm right. and what is going to impact others. You know, like so much of, so much of actually what being a Christian, you know, Christianity has taught me and just overall the premise of the book is that you know, if we, we live in a democracy and if we want to continue to have the freedoms of a democracy, we cannot just sit back and not do anything, right, for the issues that are out there. Because really, if we have all these privileges because of people, yeah. not entities or organizations, 
or governments, but specific people who have created that change for us. So at a certain point, if you look at the future, if we only have a small percentage of society of people that are actually trying to do good for communities, then eventually all that good stuff's going to run out, you know? And it's our job in life. I talk a lot about also when we think about, when I think about holistic purpose and our calling, um, to me, you know, not to not just live our life in the world, but to lead our life for the world and to think about what does your life mean for the world? And so there's 7.3 billion people on the planet. You know, I'm Claudia Chan. I'm one of those people. To me, God has a purpose for me. And so, yes, I'm meant to enjoy and aim for things that will benefit me personally. My mm-hmm. kids, I hope they get to, go, get to go to good schools. I hope that I'm able right. to provide for them and we're able to travel and see the world and yada, yada, yada and have a good life. But at the same time, you know, I'm also meant to contribute something to, to society while I'm here. If I get to live to 80... I'm 43. That's 37 years left I have to my life. That's crazy. Right. If you start thinking about that, if you start thinking about there's Claudia Chan, 80 years on this planet, 37 years left, you know, and and just again to start thinking about, you know, it starts reshaping then, okay, here I am today. It's January 23rd. And what is my life about? And, you know, what am I going to devote my life to? And what really matters so that I can really focus my effort? And if I'm killing myself driving this one thing and I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do this anymore. And this mm. is just not fun. Or this this is just challenges getting too hard. Mm. I then remind, I'm like, then I have to have that affirmation and that faith in God that this has been called on me. I've been called to do this. And so it makes me, again, I'm plugged into the source of God who I believe this is my calling of my societal purpose. So I'm going to keep on driving forward to achieve it. Right. And, and of course, surrendering when you need to. But so to me, it's, you know, I start to answer the question about purpose is I think separating and defining what is your purpose in different parts of your life. Mm-hmm. And that to also amplify that to think about not just, you know, what does your life mean for the world? Um, and really, it's legacy too, right? It's not just leadership development, it's legacy development. Like what, it, what are you meant to do while you're here? And what are you leaving behind? Yes. Yes. You pointed out in a few different places in the book to start where you struggle, which I really appreciated because a lot of people will look at this and say, oh, I'm not meant to be a leader. How about what you Mm -hmm. said before? I'm going to coast and settle with mediocrity Mm because I can't do such a thing. Mm -hmm. The truth is wherever your, my understanding of what you were saying, wherever you're, you're struggling Whatever's hard for you, whatever is your most painful historical story is likely going to be determining how you are able to serve. Mm. A woman who's been traumatized is going to be a tremendous force for teaching other women who have been traumatized, for example. I really appreciated that. And I just want to say thank you for that because I think that part, I'm looking at page 81 and this is how we rise. That is going to help a ton of women uh, see where they stand with themselves and see where they stand in in the world. Exactly. And I think that many people don't know, okay, well, I don't know what I want to do, what good I want to do. Like there's so many causes that I'm really passionate about this and I'm passionate about that. And I just often say, yeah, start where you struggle or your pain is your positive impact. So have you witnessed something or have you been through something that literally hits you in the core? I think it's part that we're like, okay, like my husband was raised by a single mom and he has this compassion for helping single mothers. And so that hits him in the heart, right? Mm. And so it could be, it could be so many different things. Um, I mean, I've heard girls were like, you know, like, you know, we, we grew up poor. And so financial literacy to me is really important to me and teaching, you know, young people how to do that. Right. So everybody has that, but you know it when it hits you in the heart, but then it sort of goes into the vision chapter, which is like, okay, that's just the, what you want to solve and do good for, but then how are you going to do it? Because you could create a nonprofit, you could join a nonprofit, you can start writing. I mean, there's so many ways that we can use our talents and gifts. And so that's where, you know, it, it's it's what is the structure or what is the vehicle in which you're going to take on to affect that change? And so, I mean, we were just talking about Tatera and your work and how, I mean, 25,000 women entrepreneurs that you've pretty much activated and, you know, gave opportunity to, to become entrepreneurs and, you know, how that's impacting their lives and the financial economic empowerment 
I mean, that is like that plays in the financial empowerment movement and the finance and the, the women's entrepreneurship movement. But it's just, uh, and you were in a way, it's like we were all like the struggling women entrepreneurs, right? All of us. <laughs> all of us. And it's really like that's your story, right? And now here you are, you created this global platform. And so it's just so incredible. Um, and that was a part of your destiny this entire time, but we didn't know it also when we were journeying through it, right? So I think that, yeah, starting where you struggle and really the what you're going to create to solve the problem, being really realistic about that to align with your skill sets. And that leads directly into faith. Mm -hmm. Yes, and huge one. Faith gives way to resilience. Yes. I mean, they're really tied hand in hand. For sure. But the period. ordering of these is very, very apt. Thank I you. appreciate it so much. Um, I want to open up to the resilience. It's page 105 yeah. for those of you that have the book. Um, a gem cannot be polished without friction, <laughs> <laughs> nor man perfected without trials. I thought it might be nice because sometimes I give homework on the podcast just to think about the most painful aspect of your life, the kind of thing that you want to hide and never remember and just possibly consider the fact that you may be a teacher of this thing. Mm -hmm. And then from your vision to your faith to your resilience, I also quickly to backtrack, where do you have the most scarcity in your life and need to build more faith? Mm. I love that. That's yeah. I have that. Me too. I have it in the love department. It's the funniest thing. It's so interesting. It's um, because of the history. Yes. Right? Yes. It's crazy how we're traumatized. Really, it's like trauma that, you know, because we, we, you know, I feel like everybody might have, yeah, for some people it's love and relationships. For me, it's money. For um, others, it's a different, it's self-worth. I mean, it's, um, self-worth is sort of tied to everything, but yes. it's because, yeah, we've gone through things in our past and- even though we intellectually know it's it's so it's so deep what fears can you replace with faith was the other question under faith which i really appreciated yeah resilience when you choose to rise to your highest potential you will naturally face more resistance and more obstacles raise your hand if that is true <laughs> <laughs> that's right. just the law of physics right. And you go on to say that if you're climbing the mountain with a hard-to-reach destination in mind, there are more steps, more pressure in the ears, more storms to endure. Going further increases the risk of scrapes and even injuries. But as you rise, the rewards get more spectacular, and you develop more strength, agility, and resilience. Mm. That's why resilience is the fourth pillar. So talk about, I don't know, it's maybe so one or two. when you say it. You should have just done my, I would have just killed if you did my audiobook. <laughs> I would love, I love doing audiobooks. I've done oh a few. Oh my gosh. Uh, setbacks are an inevitable aspect of life. This, I just, I, I'm hoping that if you're listening to this and you're feeling like you've just had so much resistance and so many obstacles and you really like love the sound of all of this, but no, not for you. I want you to know that the more resistance you feel and the more, the more obstacles seem to be in your way, the more resilience you're building. That's what's happening right now. You're literally in the middle of building resilience and resilience is one of the pillars of what you need to be a leader. So any yeah. examples, yeah. any wisdom? Yeah, I wanted to add to that and say that I talk about, I show sort of a graphic of a life mountain and, you oh, know, yeah, and I beginning. think that, right. And, and yes. it's interesting how, you know, I feel like we are right, like we feel like we're making progress. So we're yes. like climbing up the mountain and then, you know, obstacles hit us. And then we think that we step backwards, right? We think we go down, but it's really, but even though we do get hit in our life. And again, when we choose to, when we choose to be leaders and to do courageous things, mm. when we choose to make impact and not have the safe and the mediocre and the, we choose or, extraordinary over ordinary, right? We're going to face more challenges. It's inevitable. But the thing is when those challenges hit, and you go down or you go back, you're still rising. You're still higher than you were yesterday, right? So it's just God's way or the universe's or spirit's way of growing us and building us. And so obstacles to me, and I think of obstacle courses, but they build your resilience muscles, but your, they could be um, your courage muscles. Perseverance. All of it. And I think that they can also direct you it could be the universe or God, you know, redirecting you or protecting you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just, I was late to our, our meeting today because there's a partner, a big corporate partner that we've had at She Global for multiple years that, you know, all of a sudden is giving us a lot of different news and our partnership just might be transitioning. 
And so it's, but it's a big chunk of our business. And, but, you know, it just all, but I know that something is going to come out of this, right? That is meant to be, that's going to be the right thing for us. Yeah. And so you just, you go through it. It sucks to go through it because you want it to flow. You want it to be easy, but then we're never really learning and we're never cultivating new skills if everything is just always so flowy yeah. and easy. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's multiple seasons that are going to yeah make us deeper and um, more beautiful in what we and know. And more mature. And, yeah. Obstacles mature you. You brought in humility, patience, flexibility, gentleness, and vulnerability. Um, this may be of use to you if you're listening that instead when you feel uh, an obstacle, instead of getting more aggressive, more focused, more active, at certain times there's actually a way to step back and soften, which mm -hmm. I've definitely found to be true in my own life, both personally and professionally, and it seems to re really um, help other people in the space recalibrate when things are changing and transitioning. Well, it's interesting because when you when you had Vera Yoga and back when Anasara Yoga was a thing, it was a thing. It was a big thing, and I mean, it was really. I, oh I my god, we know I each did, other for so right, long, right? I know, and, and the immersions. <laughs> it feels like yesterday though to me, but I did like an immersion um, with Laura and Susanna. Um, oh, and man. basically, but one of the fundamental things that I learned that always stuck with me in building the first year global was muscular and organic energy. Yes. Bless. And how, and how the idea was like the first, or the first thing you do is to soften, right? It's like in every yoga pose. And so it is, it is so true that certain times you do need to apply that muscular energy and yes. you do need to control it and you do need to own it and like take that baby home, you know? Yes. Or there are times you just gotta be like, I'm surrendering now. Yes. This is just. Yes. Um, so, and I think that in moments when we try to over control things and it continues to blow up and it continues to cause more stress, I mean, that is, that is just clearly, you're like, okay, I'm going to just back off now. Back off. Yeah. Very good. We go from there to energy. Energy, yeah. the invisible messages exchanged between people. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think it's just one of those things that people so undermine and don't value but energy is so powerful and has so much force. Like if you want to get ahead in life and you want to form those partnerships or get new clients or, you right. know, or meet someone romantically and energy is, and what we project. Um, and, you know, and it's just amazing how just to be cognizant and intentional about our, our smile, our facial expressions, yeah. the way we say things yeah. and not just to say, Oh, I'm going to just be who I am and that's it. But that to actually be intentional about it. I had a teacher once say, that I should study my face when I'm walking down the street and I don't think anyone's looking at me. Mm. And sure enough, I started to see this kind of not such a nice face. Mm. I would walk by a window and just try and catch myself and it wasn't the nicest. You say in the book on page 121 that attitude is the physical and verbal expression of one's energy. I appreciated that too, because I think people think, oh, attitude is always a negative thing. You have such an attitude, but really attitude is exactly what you choose mm -hmm. and if you have a positive energy a positive attitude you are going to be productive that's mm -hmm. it it will happen yeah you will like positive produce attitude is po equals positive results it truly is yeah. and it's amazing how we just forget these things too yeah um again i have to go back to it and i have to practice it it's like exercise it's a your yoga practice it's totally. you know you got to just keep on practicing it and um but you truly do. I'm doing a lot of, I'm actually reading Neville Goddard right now. The do you best. Know? Oh gosh. About oh my just God, how best. believe it in and how, you know, truly believing and imagining anything is possible based on what you imagine, but it, you have to imagine it to give it the opportunity for it to become real. Yep. So you are what you think. And, you know, I think back to like, again, resilience and energy and all these, all these things and faith. It's like just staying in the positive and staying in the abundance. Yep. And like, you almost have to be an Olympic trainer, like mind in your trainer mind. in your mind. Yes. And I don't think people realize how, important, how it is. important that is and how that can transform your life. You have a meditation practice? I do. For me, it's more prayer and time with God. Beautiful. So um, that's really nice. my brain is so, I have so much going on in there. Yeah. So I can't just really sit and be quiet and focus on my breath. Got <laughs> it's it. very I got challenging it. for me. Got it. Unless it's a guided meditation. But um, but yeah, I just, for me, it is like, it's like sometimes just verbal prayer. 
Um, That's so. beautiful. What's nice is in the 13 pillars at this point, it sort of shifts from productivity over to humility. Mm -hmm. And then from humility follows the grace, uh, gratitude, grace, community, self-love, courage, and mindfulness. At, at what um, point did you come up with these 13 pillars? And I'm very grateful for the flow of them because I think that's, we really do have to take everything by the, the, the horns and go. But we also do have to realize that at a certain point, as you just said, there's a, there needs to be humility. There yeah. needs to be a recognition of a higher force. There needs to be gratitude and grace. Yeah. And then you can cycle back over to courage right. and all. And they dance. They're all intertwined. It, all sure. of it is intertwined and they all dance with each other. And it is, but it's interesting sometimes when I just, when I'm going through something and I literally will just go through the 13 and I'll be like, oh, I'm doing really good on purpose and vision and da 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 but I'm really weak right now on energy like my energy nice. sucks lately and I'm not having any faith right now Ooh. you know and so when you when you do a check like that or you know which impacts my courage yes and yes it impacts my energy so then I'm like that is what like I need to be intentional about that this week I need to meditate on that I need to pray about that this week so it is sort of a you know a mind if we want to grow and we want to be take our you know, claim the destiny, the extraordinary unlimited potential and destiny that is ahead of us. It takes this work mm. because we are human and mm. things, external things happen in our lives, mm. things trigger us um, and obstacles are going to be ahead of us. And, you know, we need to be able to manage all of that. But I do end all of it. Um, I take people through, you know, humility to me is a big one because we we stop learning when, when we think we know it all. Like yeah. you literally just, you know, you stop learning and uh, life is a constant, ongoing, you know, just just uh, experience of learning and growth. But then, and I think that it also limits us, right? If we're unable to, if we think that we know it all, we're just not going to get that much further. We're going to pretty much stay put. Um, in terms of self-love, I mean, that's obviously a huge one because yeah. it's, you know, we've got to our fundamental worth and believing that we can be all of this. Um, but I end with mindfulness because it's really then the meditative practice of just what I just said. It's yep. like, okay, I'm weak in these two or three things. It's the mental, It's whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's prayer, whatever works for you. But what you're saying really is self-observation. Yeah, exactly. And use the pillars to observe yourself, see where you're at with regards to each one of them. It is super helpful. Yeah. Chapter 18 for the last, treat your whole life as the organization you are leading. Oh, Yeah. It's a big one. Wow. wow. <laughs> that just, let's just say that again. <laughs> Treat your whole life as the organization you are leading. <laughs> that, to me, is exactly what the last five years have been about for mm. me and watching all these women rise up. And, and in the last 15, mm. 20 years, watching you rise, mm. you're treating your whole life as the organization you are leading. Why should one part be different from another part? And... I think this is something with which we have to struggle every single day. We have to remember to believe. We have to remember all of these pillars. And we have to remember your personal life, although it is different from your business, is not actually yeah, different it from your business. It isn't. Your, the way you lead your personal life is the same. It's going to drive. The, the business will drive your personal life. Personal life will drive your business. Right. I'm learning that every single day. Yeah. Remembering. It's whole life leadership. It's really, and again, back to leadership was really designed. Women have really not thought, ever thought of themselves as leaders because it, you think, okay, that, that's a head of state. That's like the person that runs the company, who owns the business, you know? And I think that, again, that's why we need, you know, these feminine, this feminine definition. And because of technology and all where we are in, in culture today, women mm -hmm. have had all this opportunity. Entrepreneurship is an all-time high for women. And again, women are changing the game because they have to, you know, raise kids and they are really, you know, you have to figure out how do you really integrate all those aspects of your life. So whole life leadership is thinking about, that's how I've been able to get it all done. I yeah. literally think of like, okay, these are all the departments hmm. or titles. Like I'm mom, like I'm mom, I'm wife, I'm responsible for my own self-care and health finances, my business, right. my team, right? So if you start, like I probably have about eight or nine titles. Yeah. And so John also calls me chief social officer of the family because totally. I'm also in charge of like just getting out with friends and having date nights and 
Um, but I think that when you start, start thinking of it that way, it is easier for you to manage everything more, yeah. right? It's an integration and it's wholeness as opposed to this is separate things. Exactly. And yeah. so I think that that's a way, and you have to invest money in all of it. Many women lean back and don't, they give up that job because childcare is so expensive and the financial difference, they'd rather stay at home, but then you're really then giving up Actually, not so much today because today you can actually go back to work because every company is trying to get women back to work yep. <laughs> and there's returnship programs. Yep. But, you know, your, your confidence is often and your identity is often impacted when you give up your work. I feel like uh, a lot of the women with whom I'm dealing now are actually working from home or aiming to be working mm -hmm. from home, which is an interesting um, quandary too. And... In chapter 19, as you close the book, you say, lead from where you are. And we, you point out how we often think the answers that we're seeking are so far away from us, are so not where we are right now. How am I ever, ever going to get where that person is or where I want to be? And I just want to point out, if Claudia and I are any example, we were two little kids, like, mm -hmm. scraping mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. in New York City. Mm -hmm. And... We both lost a parent. We both have kids. We're both building every day. Everything's Our, relied on us. Like we, we're holding all of it. Totally. Employees and, and responsibility. And <laughs> and you can. Yeah. You, and, and as she said, lead from where you are. Just start and consider yourself a leader where you are. See yourself as such and start to do those steps of spiritual growth, personal growth, leadership development. There's everything online. You can develop all of those three buckets for yourself online right now, anywhere, for free. Start to develop. Start to create your vision. Start to go through all these pillars and see where am I shining, where am I lacking, and start to build, build, build. No one to step back, no one to keep going. But in the end, as you said in the conclusion, which I really appreciated also, all roads lead to character. Yes. So nice. Yeah. And I think that that's also, you know, what I think is, is with my book is I talk about outside in and inside out thinking. And so outside in is, you know, we're listening to, you're listening to Claudia and Elena right now. And, and it's like, you're thinking about from the outside in, like, okay, well, I need to do this. I need to do that. And, and, but when you start thinking about, again, I'm just going to say God, but you can say universe or whatever is your source. But if there's somebody else looking at you and, and again, you were to think, okay, there's Claudia, you know, and what is she meant? Like, what is the being that she is going to represent, mm. you know, while she's here? Like, earth is a temporary, it's temporary. Life is temporary, right? right? And so we don't, when we start thinking about ourselves from the outside in perspective and that and how much time we really have left and I mean not to be negative or get depressed about that but just to also but to empower us it's to really it's reality it's reality and i think that the more and, and and starting from that bigger place and working backwards impacts how we think about our choices we're not so caught up in the minutia of like the tasks and the to-do list right but that but that this is, you know, your destiny is greatness and how much you claim that destiny that is yours relies a lot on your choices and your choices. It, it's not an easy path, but it's, you know, your choices are going to shape your character yep. and who you become. I yep. love this quote that a pastor says is like, your schedule is less about what you need to get done and more about who you need to become. So good. Um, and I think it's about, and, and it's not about what you do, but it's about, it's about the who, like yeah. the who you are and not the what you do. It's, it's about the who and not the do. Mm -hmm. um, and so who do you want to be? You know, who do you want to become? What do you want your life to stand for? What dent do you want to make on the universe or in your community or for whatever matters to you? And that is what you're leaving behind too, right? If you are, if you are, if you do have kids or, you know, and you have 25,000 kids, you know, in terms of lives that you're impacting with the Terra, but you know, it's when you start thinking about your life through that lens, yeah. it's, you start looking at your to-do list a little bit differently and the choices that you want to make. Um, I'm like, oh my gosh, like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? It's like yeah. so much to do. It could be like doing my 1099 taxes or like whatever, something so silly. Yeah, yeah. And it's really just so insignificant. I mean, it's, 
you know, it just, it just changes your perspective of like, yeah, I'm going to just do that in my sleep. Like that's just not even, I'm not even worried about that. Right. I'm worried about this and that, and those bigger things that are really going to move the needle. Yeah. And then it always comes down to who you are mm-hmm. and how you're being. Uh, I like to read poetry. And so I've pulled out, I have a collection of Pixie Light Horses books. I'm going to leave this with you as a gift. It's Thank one you. of the best. I don't, do you have it? I don't. I'm Prayers excited. of Honoring. And I'm going to read, um, I, I like to pick out a poem for um, each guest. That's becoming a tradition. I love it. This is called Honoring Community. And this is how we'll close with Claudia Chan. Thank you for the ones who find their way to our sides, our brothers, sisters, tribes, and clans. Thank you for the willingness to take care of one another and value our contributions as a whole. Help us to put the good of the whole before the good of the few. We need your support as we take the next steps to expand. Ease our fears and teach us to gather in a circle of equals. Remind us that a circle has no beginning and no end and that nature contains innumerable examples of the beauty of co-leading and the sacred geometry of many parts working as one. Manage our defenses, diffuse our bombs, humble us so that we can tune into your divine frequency again and hear each other's joys and cries. Impart to us immense tolerance for the eccentricities in one another, knowing that we have them too. Strengthen our connections and bring us together like family. Remove our irrational fears of moving along the road together and allow us to look at all options for teaming up. Inspire in us the creativity required to dream outside of our insular boxes and single-family homes and instead meet up at the fireside to break bread together and spread our beautiful ideas out on the table like a feast. Lean us into one another's shoulders when we need a little care. Fill us with unassailable hope that our collaborations will yield great harvests. Humble our pace with patience for each other. Slow our progress when we need to take a break to truly appreciate it and understand the consequences. Clear our injuries so we can hear just what's being presented today. Teach us to barter and trade for what we need. Show us new ways of conducting community and commerce that benefit our higher purposes and our fellowship. Remind us that not so long ago our currency was simply trading our best work for someone else's to meet our needs. I'll stop there. Mm. So beautiful. So beautiful. That's for you. Um, Community. I know. So powerful. So who you are. Um, The one last thing that I think we promised the listener was the talk about money. Mm. And just briefly, what were a few of the driving forces that got you through your, let's say, relationship with money into one of abundance and Mm -hmm. literacy? Yeah, I, I, for me, it was, you know, my parents um, grew up, you know, from an aristocratic family in, in, in China. But then when Mao took over China, they lost a lot, grew up in Taiwan. Um, when they came to America, it was just, again, that that mindset of, Claudia, you know, we're, we're Chinese, we're yellow skin, we are not, we need to work harder. And we have to just, it's like making money. Money was so critical for survival, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're raised in that mentality... It, it's almost like, again, they talk about what's your center, like living in this money-centered life, right? Or if money's your center or if your children are your center or your husband's, your partner's your center, you know, it's just like not healthy to have, you know, really your center should be, I mean, for me, it should be, it's God and it's the universe. But, um, and so it just was very confusing because, you know, I was able to, the value of it was just placed so high that mm. I felt like my worth and how much money I made. I still feel that to this day, you know, how much money I make de- defines my worth. Like if I don't have, right. you know, a certain amount. Um, and anyway, so it's just stuff that has popped up in my life and it's all irrational stuff. Um, but it's crazy how even, you know, if you are having a, like an argument with your with your partner um, or a parent or about something, right? And I, and I look at like, oh, this 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 argument is really not about this thing. It's right. really about money. You right. know, it's really about my fears around money. Right. And so it's just amazing why, you know, when you when you do look at those conflicts in your life or those massive fears or insecurities or concerns, but you're like, okay, but what am I really afraid of? Like, why does this bug me so much, right? Yeah. Or why is this so hard in my life? And yeah. you look at like what the root of that is. Um, then that, like, again, whether it's love, whether it's money. So yeah, I mean, I think that the first thing is to be aware of it. 
um, and to forgive yourself and to know that that was that belief system was based off of sources and voices mm. that in a way um, wired you to think a certain way right. and that you need to unwire yourself. Yeah. And there are things, there are tools out there. I mean, I know like John Randolph Price has his abundance book in 40 Days of Prosperity. And, you know, there's things that you can do to really start training your mind. Yeah. Um, but it, in a way, it's like a neuro pathway like, you know, like, oh, this happens, ding, ding, ding. You know, this is my fear. It triggers that fear. Yeah. So just like, I think, I think it's the acknowledgement and then forgiving yourself and, and, and that, and just, and just making this decision to create a new story, a new neuro pathway of belief. Yeah. But it takes work. It does take work. Did you uh, read Kate Northrup's book, Money, A Love Story? Mm, I, I need to read that one. I, so I know of her. Nice. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. It just has you go through a few exercises, the most potent of which is, what is your first memory of money? Yeah. And when I remember my mom sitting at the dining room table, the back of her, and I could see how she was frustrated from the back of her. Mm. And I could feel her frustration. And every now and again, she was typing more quickly on the, at the time it was an adding machine. Mm. And I always just felt this constriction around money. Mm -hmm. And it was until very, very recently that I believed that that was the, the ener the truth about money, the energy mm -hmm. about money. And I slowly over many years had to unravel, just as you said, unwire and then rewire. Yeah. Unwire, All rewire. Of that. That's what it is. And now I see money as energy, money as a fluid force that comes through me and it goes back out. Yeah. And if I'm welcoming to it and I believe in its presence, it comes. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, it doesn't. Yeah. And that's it. One of the main exercises I think you can do if you're listening and wondering how on earth to get past it, just to start looking at the numbers every day. Look at the numbers every day. Keep track of what you spent every day. Look at the numbers and you'll start to really get uh, an affinity for being comfortable with looking at the numbers. Mm -hmm. And slowly you'll start to have exactly more of them. what the, yeah, more of them. But you'll go through the, the 13 pillars and you'll start to see, oh, you know, I actually mm -hmm. do have a purpose here. And oh, money has a purpose in my life. And oh, I have a vision for what I want to do with this money. And I want to give it here. And I want to spend it here. And I want to go there. And I want to serve here. And slowly, you'll start to move through your life with a, a greater understanding of it. And yeah. it's a very sweet thing, because you're ultimately, the money's mm -hmm. coming through you. It's not yes. really coming to you. Yes. And you're going to be able to serve more people right. with it. Yeah, and the other thing I've learned is that like money is not your source. It's not the source of your supply. It's it's the output, right? Like getting an award or getting, you know, like nice. somebody giving you a gift, right? It's yeah, it's really nice. like our source is energy. Our source yes. is us. And yes. you know, and, and I think that it is. It but I love what I love that. And and I've also been told too, the more you actually I think so many of us don't want to look at that spreadsheet or don't want to look at the numbers because it's just stressful and you're like afraid of it. But the more you love it and the more you engage it, the more energy go, you know, yes, the flows more through flows. You. Exactly. So yeah, I think that that is great nice. advice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I could talk like this for a while. Might be the longest one we've had this so far. So, I, I was going to say, you did an amazing job Thank taking you. me through the book. Because I was I like, love, how are I we going to get your book. I love Thank your you. book. It's Thank so, you. it's just so well written. This is how we rise, people. Claudia Chan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Such an honor. Really. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day. 
supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.